Here's Middleton. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh! Run. Two on one. Green the finish. Wow, the alley Turned the corner. Inside! He made Yusuf Nurkic a screensaver. Here comes Murray. Alley up to Gordon. Oh, what a play! All right, joined now by Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets, our Houston Rockets correspondent here at the Alley Oop. Thank you so much, Jackson, for hopping on, man. It's been great to track Houston this season, and I'm sure it's just got to be very cathartic for you to be in this position. Look, man, after the last three years of Houston Rockets basketball, having a team that is even just hovering around 500 it has been an incredible feeling. Uh, they're they're well ahead of schedule, I think, at this point, sitting at 16 and 15. They've had some winning streaks. They've had some losing streaks, some up and down play. But I think by and large, you have to be very impressed with where this team kind of finds itself right now, uh, a little over the 30 game mark of this season. Absolutely. And like 16 and 15 for for some franchises, it's like, okay, that's the 16 and 15. You want to be better. You want to be whatever. But uh, for Houston, where you're flirting with 20 wins on the season for for much of the previous three years, this is a step and it's a great step in the right direction. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. They'll probably end up just being an, an average team for this season, but it is taking steps in the right direction. What do you think is a story generally that is kind of kind of like the people locally in in Houston have figured out that hasn't really made it to the national folks. Well, I think maybe let me I'll tell you what, let me debunk one story that I think I've seen kind of picking up some traction. Uh, and I think this is more so a thing with just fans of other fan bases, which is why I want to kind of debunk it and highlight you know, sure. I think this this past offseason, the Rockets were almost at times ridiculed for the signings they made of Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks as this, you know, oh, they're a bad team. They're just going to go out and sign these, you know, they're going to overpay for these free agents to be like some middling team. And it's going to, you know, reduce their chances at long term success. They're going to take reps away from the young guys when that has been anything but the case this season. Part of the reason the Rockets are so successful this season is because you've got Fred Van Vliet, who is an actual floor general who has been great at facilitating and getting all the guys on the roster involved, namely Alperin Shingun. He's a big part of why Alperin Shingun has taken such a massive year three leap is having a point guard on the floor that understands how to get him the ball when he gets a quick seal down low, how to find him in the pick and roll. Those two develop a fast chemistry and it looks phenomenal that's kind of been the bread and butter play for this Houston Rockets offense and then also with Dylan Brooks right they brought in Dylan Brooks there were concerns about oh Dylan's gonna he wants a bigger role than what he had in Memphis he's gonna come in and be a, a shot chucker and he's gonna take away shots from Jalen Green and Jabari and Shingun and that hasn't been the case Dylan has very much played his role he stayed in his lane he's the Rockets best defender he's arguably their probably third best player overall on the roster. He's been an integral part of their offense at times, just lights out shooting from three-point land. There are a handful of games here and there where maybe the Rockets offense gets kind of stuck in the mud for certain stretches, and then maybe Dylan takes it upon himself to try and get them out of that offensive rut, and those are maybe the moments that you'd like to see a you know a, a, you know know less of a little bit as the season goes on. But by and large, I've been incredibly impressed with what those two guys have done, and largely because they've helped elevate the other young guys on this roster, right? They've made out, Al- they've helped Alper and Shingun kind of th- with this campaign of looking like an all-star this season. Jalen Green has had a very inconsistent up and down year, but having another primary ball handler in Fred Van Vliet to take the pressure off him has been really nice. And even Jabari Smith Jr., who's come on really strong as of late, uh, looks really solid. So I do not think for one second that the, the veteran additions have taken away reps from the young guys by any stretch of the imagination this season. It's interesting to think about just in in general, I, I 
always comp things to my experience covering the Nuggets and the, the directions that they have gone. And guys like Danilo Gallinari and Wilson Chandler and Jameer Nelson and guys like that at the early stages. And then you add a guy like Paul Millsap who helped turn what was a, a horrible Denver defense into a good one. And you just build habits, you simplify roles, you make things easier for the young guys to absorb new information. And then down the line, they reap the rewards of that and see the benefits of that. So I can absolutely see that being the case with Alper and Shangun. I'm a little bit more concerned about Jalen Green, probably, as, as I think a lot of people are. But uh, Jabari Smith Jr. is still somebody that people are very excited about. Tari Eason, somebody people are very, very excited about. So it's been a lot of fun to watch, been a lot of fun to track. Uh, one thing that I've I've picked up on when I'm looking at the win profile of this team, they're the eighth best point differential, clean of the glass, 17th in offense, fifth in defense, still some really good numbers there. This is the streaks that they've been on so far this season. I don't know if you, you probably have seen this so far. They've lost three games. They've won six. They've lost three. They've won two. They've lost three. They've won five. They've lost three. They've won two. They've lost three. And then they won last game. What is going on with three game losing streaks, man? <laughs> You know, I think it's Ime Odoke actually highlighted this, uh, you know, uh, maybe a few weeks ago, a month ago or so. And he, he highlighted the fact that, you know, teams that go that can string together, you know, a set of, you know, five or six wins, but then they, ha- you know, get three, four losses in a row, whatever it is. And again, I guess three is the magic number for this Rockets team this season. It's it's the mark of an inconsistent team, right? It's the mark of a young team, a team that's finding, you know, finding ways to be consistent. And largely the issue with this Rockets team has been. Uh, their offense. They've been a very inconsistent offensive team. They are not a good three-point shooting team. At times, they don't shoot enough threes, and they also don't make enough threes. They don't have high-quality shooters up and down the roster, and so that becomes an issue at times offensively where they can kind of stall out, and they've been able to rely on their defense at times to get what Ime Odoka likes to call, you know, raggedy wins, where sometimes you'll you'll have a box score that looks like it's something out of the mid-90s, or sorry, you know, something like mid-90s, early 2000s, where you're just like, what is what is this final score? 80 to 90. Like, what are we talking? What are we doing here? And the Rockets have had a handful of wins like that this season. They've been able to lean on and rely on their defense. And I, I failed to highlight this when I was kind of going through my first answer there to you, Ryan. But uh, that's been the other area that that the veterans have helped elevate this Rockets team. If they've gone from being one of the basically the laughing stock of the NBA, uh, you know, a disaster class on offense and defense to at least being, you know, kind of better offensively, like they're floating and, and getting increasingly better. They're kind of hovering towards that middle of the pack of the NBA as far as offense is concerned. And they've been one of the top five defenses basically all season long. So that has been an identity shift that has been in large part due to obviously Ime Odoka, their new head coach, instilling some defensive schemes and all that kind of changing the identity and the culture of this team. But Ime is not on the court playing these games, right? He needs an extension of himself, people who can hold the other guys on the court accountable. And that's exactly what Fred Van Vliet does as a great point of attack defender. He might have, you know, lost a step or so. You know, he's not he's not quite uh, the spring chicken that he used to be, but he's still an incredibly helpful defender, whether it's in one-on-one coverages or as a help defender. Dylan Brooks is still one of the premier, you know, perimeter defenders in the entire NBA. He's headed for another all-NBA uh, defensive team selection this season, I think. I think he's probably a lock for that as long as the Rockets stay a top-five defense for the rest sure. of the season. So, 
I do kind of think that as far as the the inconsistencies go, a large part of it has to do with offensively, and a, a big part of that has been they've got a few guys who have been really consistent this season. Dylan Brooks has largely been consistent offensively. Alperin Shingun has been the most consistent piece and the best player for this Rockets team, but they've had some up and down games from Fred Van Vliet, who at times finds himself on the wrong side of a bad shooting night, uh, and then Jalen Green, his up and down play. He's been kind of the X factor for this Rockets team, because at least when Fred Van Vliet isn't hitting shots, he's still facilitating facilitating at an incredibly high level. Yeah, there's no doubt. And like, I've, I've obviously enjoyed the Fred Van Vliet experience throughout his career. But uh, one of the things that you noticed in, in Toronto was that he was always a very high minutes guy. Leading the NBA so far this season in minutes per game, you mentioned wanting him uh, to sort of be that steadying force. Uh, that's a super high minutes load, though. I'd be worried about that. How is he holding up like so far this season? You mentioned the the kind of iffy shooting nights at times. Is that sort of wearing on him at this stage? You know, I, I would imagine, first off, Fred's never going to be a guy who's going to say, oh yeah, I had a bad shooting night because I'm playing, you know, 40 minutes a night. He's sure. never going to admit to that, right? I think you have to imagine, though, that, you know, when you're playing on, you know, tired legs, when you're playing, you know, 38, 39, 40 minutes a night and not getting much rest, that's going to take its toll. And the first thing that's going to happen is your legs are going to be gone, your shot's going to be gone. And for a guy who has to shoot on volume like he does from three-point land and, and even long twos occasionally because that's what the defense will allow him to take, then it's good. His, his shot is going to suffer. What doesn't suffer, though, is his his basketball IQ, his ability to facilitate and get other guys involved. He's been a breath of fresh air having that, you know, kind of floor general to orchestrate the Rockets offense has been great. He does need and Ime's talked about this before. Ime has said, look, you know, the offense falls off a cliff when Fred's not in the game. And that's that's kind of factual at this point. When Fred is not in the game, and also when Alper and Shingun's not in the game, the Rockets' offense just completely, you know, crumbles. And a big part of that is because there is not a single player on this roster that can replicate what Fred Van Vliet does, and there's not a single single player on this roster that can replicate what Alper and Shingun does. So you don't have even a backup that you can say, oh, this is a, a poor man's Fred Van Vliet or a poor man's Alper and Shingun to where you plug them in and they can accomplish some of the similar things. You can run some of the same sets between those guys. So when when the Rockets sit Fred and Alpi, their offense kind of changes. They go to kind of five out spacing. They do, you know, some quick pick and roll actions. Sometimes it devolves into a lot of isolation, your turn, my turn, kind of one-on-one -on -one play. But they also really rely on their defense to try to get out in transition and get some easy buckets that way because they really just don't have like a secondary offensive identity to go to when those two guys aren't in the game. However, over these last probably couple weeks or so, uh, Ime Odoka made a kind of rotation change where he's actually gone to allowing Jabari Smith Jr. to play with the second unit, subbing him out early and then putting him back out there with the with the bench guys and kind of relying on him as more of a focal point offensively with the second unit, which is something that I was begging him to try since the early you know going of this season because Jabari is a guy who has been, I think at times, a little bit marginalized offensively within the starting lineup because you've got... Shingun, who's clearly your number one option. He's the, you know, the, the straw that stirs the drink for this Rockets offense. And by default, since Fred is his primary pick and roll partner and the primary ball handler, Fred gets a lot of attempts as well. So on any given night, Fred and Jalen are your second and third options. Kind of, there have been some nights where Dylan Brooks has it going and he kind of becomes, you know, a, a you know, takes a couple notches up on the pecking order offensively. So at times, Jabari Smith Jr. has been kind of an afterthought offensively for the Rockets. But when he gets reps, when he's given the chance offensively, he is absolutely money from the mid-range. And it's been really cool to see him kind of be entrusted by Ime Odoka and the rest of the coaching staff to take on a larger offensive role, especially because this Rockets team needs 
kind of guys with go-to moves or guys that can be a reliable, consistent source of offense because really the only guy who is a reliable offensive source for them has been Alper and Shingun this season. Yeah, just the natural growing pains of a of a developing team. This is what's going to be part of that. That's a, not a surprise to hear at all. What is kind of a surprise is I, I've heard two names in terms of like Jalen Green. Obviously, we we kind of know what he is. We know what it's it's likely going to end up being. Uh, Amon Thompson's a, a name that we haven't mentioned. I know he's dealt with some injuries. He's still very 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 raw. Uh, but that's one name that I was thinking, hey, maybe maybe this is a guy that could help run some second unit things. But sounds like he's not ready for that. So if it is Jabari well, Smith, hey, Ryan, right. can I can I actually jump in right there with you? Just sure. on the on the Amin Thompson front, it's just been a really unfortunate start to his NBA career. I don't think that he's necessarily not ready to run some second unit minutes. Um, it's more so just that, you know, he played a handful. Of, it was like five or six games. Then he goes down to an ankle injury. He's out for a month, comes back, plays one game where he gets like 10 minutes. And then he goes out due to an illness that was ravaging the Rockets locker room. So he's still only play. He's up to, it's either 12 or 13 games played now through his NBA career. For all intents and purposes, he's basically still like in week three of being a rookie or, or you know, still w- less than a month of actual NBA time Tough. played because he wasn't able to, you know, he, he, when he was rehabbing the ankle, he was missing time. He was still obviously he was in film sessions and he was at every practice and he was still getting work done, but it's not the same as those, you know, valuable on court reps. And so for a men, I think that, you know, the, the struggles with a men and him not being healthy and him only just now kind of getting back into the flow of things, the inconsistency with Jalen green, who was for a large part of the season entrusted to run those second unit lineups, kind of the way Eme would stagger his rotations. He would pull Jalen green out at about the five ish minute mark of the first quarter. So he'd get about the first six or seven minutes of the game. And then he'd sub him back in, in place of Fred Van Vliet to run the second unit. And Jalen struggled to be the guy, the focal sure. point of that second unit offensively. So though, so Jalen struggles and a men and his injury issues are kind of the reason that we've seen Fred Van Vliet take on such a heavy minutes burden here in the early part of this season. But now that a is back in the lineup uh, just now, I mean, look, it's the Detroit Pistons, but Amin had a really solid game against them. He had 12 points, four boards, six assists off the top of my head. He's Much. looking more and more comfortable running the offense collapsing a defense, creating shots, creating opportunities for his teammates. It's just unfortunate that, again, the Rockets have a team that isn't exactly a great shooting team. So even when you get a guy like Shingoon or Van Vliet or Amin Thompson collapsing a defense, they're kicking it out to guys who are not reliable shooters, which is a bit problematic in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, to me, that that has to be the goal within the goal for the next sort of six weeks or so. Just see if you could get him up to speed. See if you can figure out a way is I don't know what the the schedule looks like. I don't know if it's more home centric or road centric over the course of these next few. But if it is a home centric stretch, then it might be a little bit easier to say, all right, hey, we're going to get the young guy. We're going to get him some reps. We're going to get Fred Van Vliet's minutes down. We might take a loss here or there that we shouldn't take. But the most important thing is the long term development. And I know that the I I know that there are like pressures to try to win. I know that that's a thing that is always going to be the case, especially when you bring in Ime, when you have the success at the beginning that you do. It's never fun to kind of step back from that. But there is some long-term viability here that if you can get a guy like Amon Thompson going in the same direction, next year is going to be even better than this year. So I can I can see some some pressures going from both sides of this, maybe from a coaching staff versus front office kind of thing even. 
Yeah, I, I think that for the most part, the Rockets organization are all in alignment from ownership to front office to coaching in that they have clearly defined this as they, they've set, been on record as saying this multiple times. This is phase two of the rebuild for them, which is this is this is where they want to start winning basketball games again. And we've seen that this season where Ime Odoka, you know, coaches this team as if it were a meritocracy, right? Where the players who are playing the best get the minutes. We've seen Jabari be benched at the end of games. We've seen Shingun be benched. We've seen Jalen Green benched a number of times due to not playing up to the level that, you know, of expectations that Ime Odoka has for him. So I do think it's that kind of, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? Between wanting to win basketball games right now versus uh, the long-term development of some of these young guys. And I do think that that was a decision that the coaching staff ultimately made and went with focusing for the long-term development by even giving Amin Thompson the early minutes in the first five or six games of this season because the moment Amin Thompson went down, the Rockets plugged in Aaron Holiday. And a lot of Rockets fans didn't want to hear this at the time, but Aaron Holiday's a better basketball player than Amin Thompson right now. He's a veteran. Right. He shoots the ball better. He defends better. He gives up some size and some athleticism, sure. But... He checks way more boxes for what this Rockets team needs right now than Amin Thompson does because he's still a rookie. He's still trying to figure it out. He's still learning how to be the best version of himself, how to be an NBA player. So I do think in a weird way, it was kind of a silver lining for Amin Thompson to have that early injury because then it showed, hey, Aaron Holiday is not just your third string insurance policy guard. He's a guy that should be a staple part of this Rockets rotation and get a steady, you know, 10 to 15 minutes a night because he's one of your best three point shooters. He plays solid defense. He's a good point of attack defender, all that. And the one guy who did kind of fall out of the rotation as a result of this, because he's just really struggled this year was Jock Landale. So Jock mm. Landale now completely out of the rotation. Jeff Green is essentially the Rockets only backup five on the roster. And that's kind of the source spot in the Rockets rotation because sure. Alper and Shingun's already not a big five man. Jeff Green's definitely not a true five. He's a pseudo four or five small ball big man. And they don't have another big kind of lumbering body that they can throw out there when you need to just put out a guy who's a seven footer who can get you some rebounds. They've got Boban on the roster, but Boban's like a really niche big that you go to in certain situations. He's not a guy that you can like rely on to throw out there and be like, Hey, you're going to give us some like, you know, 10 minutes a night consistently for X, Y, Z reasons, because you basically right. have to play his own defense when he's out there offensively. If you're not running things through him, you're kind of wasting his potential on the offensive end. It's a uh, Boban's a very niche type of player to use at the NBA level. So that's a, that's definitely a weak spot for this Rockets team is their backup five position. And the, the Amon Thompson point that you made is very similar to the Scoot Henderson point that Danny Morang made to me uh, back a couple weeks ago. Just like, Hey, you, you have a couple of like, you have an injury, you have a veteran that kind of steps in, you understand, Hey, we could slow play this. The, the future is very far in advance. Like there's a lot of time left for, for Amon Thompson to be the best player that he can be. But hopefully, uh, hopefully like Houston can kind of turn this thing around, man. And just especially with this bench unit, uh, there, there are so much talent on this group. There's no reason why it should be a weakness for too long here. But it, just as long as they kind of get in the same direction, I think that this will be just fine. The last thing I have for you here, uh, can we expect anything from Houston around the trade deadline? Is this a team that you think is going to be relatively quiet? It doesn't it doesn't feel like a team that's going to make a ton of noise, but I just wanted to get for, get it from you. Well, I, I think that there's a couple couple things here on that front. Uh, I, I've been on record as saying that I think that if if, if Jalen Green's season continues to be as wildly up and down as it has been and he continues to be inconsistent, I think that if the Rockets hold on to Jalen Green through this season and going into the summer, I think he loses almost all, if not it, almost all of his trade value as oh, a piece so it might because be going quickly. Okay. Uh, well, it, it just in the sense of like, 
if he continues to just be this inconsistent up and down player, then you might could argue that there would be a team out there at this deadline who would be able to still be willing to trade and bank on like his potential. Like, oh, maybe he needs a change of scenery. Maybe he just, you know, they're not using him the right way or X, Y, Z. And you could kind of trade on that potential this deadline. Whereas I think if you go through the entirety of year three under a new coach with a new culture, a new identity, and it's been three years of basically more and less, more or less the same play, right? Where he has a few good games and he has a few bad games, wildly inconsistent shooting. He hasn't really added much to his bag as far as his NBA skills are concerned. He's gotten better as a defender and as a playmaker, but those are marginal improvements. So, you know, at the end of the day, he was drafted to be a bucket and he's a very inconsistent bucket at that. He's kind of more so your spark plug sixth man off the bench at this point where, you know, if he's hot, cool, you ride the hot hand. If he doesn't have it, then he only gets 10 minutes in the first half and you don't revisit him in the second half. That's kind of how he's been playing uh, so far this season. So, maybe a Jalen Green trade, although I don't expect the organization to like necessarily give up on him this early. That's just maybe a personal kind of anecdote there. I will say that the two trade ships the Rockets do have that I fully expect, you know, them to be aggressive in trying to utilize are the expiring contracts essentially of uh, Victor Oladipo, who's not part of the Rockets rotation. There are no plans for him to be part of the Rockets rotation. They're not waiting on him to rehab and they're going to try to plug him in later on. He's basically a living, breathing, roughly $10 million TPE. Um, Mm. But since he's a contract and not a TPE, he can be aggregated with another player. And that other player is Jock Landale, who has been wildly disappointing this season. Uh, And the way that the Rockets structured his contract is every year is non-guaranteed. So he's basically an $8 million expiring contract this year. So you've got the $9.5 million from Oladipo, the $8 million from Jock Landale. You could package those two guys together and get somebody around that, you know, 18-ish million dollar range, $20 million, something like that. Or again, throw them out in separate deals, maybe teams who want some cap relief, take back a bad contract on a player who maybe could still be a rotate a serviceable rotation player. So those are the two names that I fully expect the Rockets to be kind of fielding offers from or potentially trying to package together. And maybe they dip into the stash of Brooklyn Nets picks that they have to get one more impact piece for this roster because this team is ready to win games right now. Um, And I do think that if you get one more impact contributor, whether it's, you know, kind of shoring up that backup five spot or a kind of sixth man guy who can come in and be that bench scoring punch that this team has desperately lacked this season, then you you could have something fun happening here in Houston. A couple names that just came to mind to me immediately were DeJounte Murray and Terry Rozier. Uh, just for the the kind of alternate uh, wing slash guard that can stagger with the second unit if you're if you're trying to trade Jalen Green, I'm not sure what his actual trade value is, and that may not be enough for Houston to feel like they they can actually realistically give up on a guy like Jalen Green. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm curious as to the direction that they go, uh, but this should be fun, man. This should be fun, and honestly, it should still be a positive way to end up with with the season because Houston is going in the right direction. Alper and Shangun is clearly a building block. He may be an all-star this year. We'll see what actually happens with that. But I think that the the future is still bright in Houston and everybody should be relatively positive about it. So he is Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets. Really appreciate you hopping on, man. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. Let's chat in six weeks, all right? Always a pleasure to talk ball, Ryan.